Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back here with you on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, we have a bit of breaking news about a story that we've mentioned several days in a row here, including uh, earlier in the show. This happened last week. There was a 52-year-old judge by the name of Andrew Wilkinson, a circuit judge in Maryland, who had been fatally shot in his driveway. Uh, turns out he had been proceeding, proceeding over uh, a custody hearing. And in that hearing, he decided not to award custody to the dad in this custody dispute. What we learned then is that police considered that guy to be the suspect, thought he was the one that, that gunned this guy down. We had not heard from him, couldn't find him. Now there's an update. Yeah, they found his car a day or two ago. It had been abandoned, and now they have found Pedro Argate dead. Um, they'd done an evidentiary search. Didn't say where. No. Um, again, they had found the SUV near Williamsport over the weekend, and had since been looking for him, thinking he was on the run since then. Yeah, they're not telling us any details so far about his death although i'm gonna make some assumptions about that given the fact that yeah given the fact that he shot the judge yeah not a big leap uh but yeah they did not say anything about cause of death or anything like that or what condition in what condition his body was found uh just that he had been found dead as they were executing this search but as we said, we don't even have a location for the search yet i'm sure that's that information is probably going to come out fairly quickly now that he's gone I was just looking to see if there were any other updates anywhere else uh, that I don't see. Um, again, we also continue to follow the latest out of Maine. Uh, and you heard it on ABC News, too. Checking all the sources constantly, not seeing any new updates in the last couple of hours. No, uh, yeah, the search is still ongoing. The numbers have not changed, which is good news, considering that three people, as we found out this morning, were still listed in critical condition. But the numbers stand at 18 dead, 13 wounded. Yes. So we'll continue to follow that as well. On a lighter note here for a little bit, um, the actor Chris Pratt, if you didn't know, uh, is married to uh, Katherine Schwarzenegger, daughter of daughter of Arnold and right? Maria Shriver. Yeah, Maria. I think so, yeah. Thank you. I can think of her name. Um, so that part, not totally relevant, but he describes how recently he was at the family house and they were going through some of Catherine's boxes of things from her childhood. And he was remarking about how much stuff of hers from her childhood, her trophies and her awards and all that kind of stuff still exists in boxes at the family house. They have 
couple of kids together uh, and he's got another one of his own from when he was married before. And he asked in an Instagram post, at what point can you get rid of your kids' trophies and prizes like that from when they were young? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, because anytime you talk about getting rid of stuff like that, people immediately see you out there dumping a box in a dumpster. And it's like, how could you do that? But at the same time, it's going to sit in a box in the basement. It's not like you take it out and look at it. He also wondered what to do with it. Because um, he was going through, he said, uh, there's a trophy for most improved two-year-old in swim class. <laughs> That's important to keep. Yes. And so he said, real talk, once your kid goes through the stuff, is it okay to toss? And what do we do with it? He said, can they be donated, repurposed? How many do we have to keep? Not all of them, right? Any of them? Is there a grading scale? Like, did you win? And we'll keep the ones where you won, wow. but not the ones where you got, you know, second or third place. He said, is there a specific sentimental connection? How, uh, help me out here. Do they all just go back in storage and make it your kid's problem? Yeah, and here's an odd question, um, especially considering I'm, I'm thinking back to trophies that my own kids won or that I did, you know, early on. Um, a lot of them, like they'll have, some of them will have your name engraved in the trophy itself right but a lot of them don't it's engraved mm -hmm. on a, a little piece of metal that's affixed to the bottom of the trophy if it's like that i mean can you take it back to the trophy store and say here pry that off of there you guys can reuse this for some other kid Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. yeah what can you do with them that trophy store would have to still exist and still need yeah. that you know because we're talking about decades later probably and still need whatever that little figurine is of award that you have sure uh yeah i, I like see i like what 6849 said if your kid doesn't want them dump them and, and that i think is uh the the easiest way to go about it is you sit down with the kids and go look there's three boxes full of trophies and awards and all of that stuff from when you were little do you want them because we don't here's your chance to keep whatever you want but it's not going to just sit here gathering dust forever in my experience it's the parents that have the harder time with it that's that's been my experience i did i found and when my dad died uh i found report cards mm -hmm. from like third grade yep uh, yeah, uh -huh. you know, i have thought, them too and i thought okay uh, but see and i know it was stuffed in that filing cabinet in 1970 whatever it was and it's never been out since he just you know put it away thinking okay if i ever need this it'll be there and and then after a period of time, I mean, do you ever go through and vet that stuff? It's so funny. I am more likely to throw away my own than the stuff that belonged to my parents. I'm same thing. I have, for some reason, all of my parents' report cards going back to kindergarten were put together in a rubber band. Oh, wow. And I have all of them. I'm the only child. I have all of them, um, K through 12. It's kind of a cool thing for me to have of my parents. I struggle with getting rid of that. I'll ha but I have no problem getting rid of my own. Yeah, here's the other solution. Yeah, from the text line. When I was about 25, my mother appeared at my front door with two boxes full of said items. Yeah, it's just like, here, these are yours now. Whatever happens to them, you do it. What do you do with it? How long do you keep stuff? What What are the parameters that you use here? Let's go to Independence to see what Richard's got for us. Hello, Richard. Hello. Um I uh, was a super jock when I was young, almost Superman status. Collected a whole bunch of trophies, and then I got to a point 
where I just took them back to a trophy store and they were happy to get them. Really? Because what they do is re- recycle them and, uh, you know, for lesser events or, or giveaways or something like that. So, yeah, you take them back to a trophy store. I had a feeling, yeah, because that's free inventory for them, sure. All right, um, very cool, Richard. Thank you. It's good to know you can do that. Yes, now I'm going through, I've said this before, my mom is a keeper of things, keeper of all things, and I was the only one, and and they knew that was going to be the case. Mm -hmm. So she has kept everything I ever laid a finger on when I was a kid. Every artwork, every, every project I ever did, and again, I... I have no problem throwing that stuff away. And it's been a point of contention between us because she thinks I should keep it. And I have no problem. Like, what am I going to do with it? What What is the biggest trophy you ever took home? And I don't mean in terms of stature. I mean exactly like stat- like size, largest oh. thing. Not large. Um, most of the, the recognition I got was medals. Oh, okay. Things. Yeah. So not not trophies. So they're not consuming a lot of space. I went to I went to horse riding horseback riding camp when I was a kid. Uh, um, the Brits pick on us for that, by the way, because they just call it horse riding. They're like, of course you're going to be on its back. What do you do, horse bottom <laughs> uh-huh. riding? But um, yeah, they, so I, I I got a lot. They did ribbons. So yeah, same kind of mm-hmm. deal. They they just weren't large. But when I was a kid, um, w- my sister and I went to the same day camp, the same summer camp, and they had an award at the end of the year for camper of the year. So all the kids got little trophies, but the mm-hmm. camper of the year and their runner-up or whatever got got the bigger ones. And my sister won one year. And the thing is about three and a half feet tall. It's just massive. I'm sure she still has it somewhere. My question is, is there any justification for not keeping that stuff as you get it? Or like a year later after they've won it, getting rid of it? Yeah. I or do you so. have to keep it up in their bedroom like until they graduate college? Right, yeah, and even at that, I mean, all all of mine, my water skiing trophies and things like that. Uh, yeah, I did that at one point in my life. Yeah, that stuff sat on exactly like you said. It sat on the windowsill in my bedroom, and mm-hmm. I didn't care. I mean, if a hurricane had come and blown them all away, it would have made no difference to me whatsoever. They were just there gathering dust. Here's the other question that I start thinking about again because this will all be my problem at some point. All the boxes that are in my mom's garage. <laughs> I think about pictures. Like at one point, what do you do with pictures eventually? And I've debated about yearbooks Um, because again, what, what am I going to, it's going to become somebody else's problem. At what point do I just get rid of them? I have mine. Um, I I have all, I think I have all of my high school yearbooks, but the one that, uh, that really, the, the only one that I'll probably keep forever or that, that I really have some attachment to was sophomore year. Because mm-hmm. there's a picture of it of me and Jen. Oh, that's cute. The two of okay, us together. Cool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was like, and just one of those, like, you know, they, they caught us at lunch one day and said, smile, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And, and that's, you know, to have that, that picture of us when we was kids is kind of mm-hmm. cool. I have all of mine from every year. And the three sophomore through senior year of high school, I was on yearbook staff and helped produce that. And so that'll be hard for me to ever get rid of. But what about my parents' yearbooks? Yeah. Do you digitize them? I mean... It's not like having the the hard copy, but yeah. you can do that. That's going to take some time, too, though, to go through every single page and scan it in and all of that stuff. If you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. Again, his point is, Chris Pratt's point, is the trophies. The what point can you just get rid of them 
and not have to deal with it anymore. Uh, if you want in here, 913-586-7798. Still to come this hour, we will go to Florida to talk about a theory from the mayor of Panama City about what the open container policy is doing to society. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. All right, we go to Panama City, Florida for this next story. By the way, later in the show, we have a story. They're going to start the Florida Man Games as an event <laughs> in Florida that we'll get to coming I up here a little bit later. I can only imagine. Oh, it's, it's a brilliant idea that we'll get to here coming up. Uh, but what does the mayor of Panama City think is happening with an open container policy you know I'm, I'm trying to figure that out so panama city uh is panhandle of florida so it's kind of um it, it's it's near a lot of things it's kind of near tallahassee uh and and it's kind of near la or lower alabama so um they the, the what they wanted to do is they said okay we've got this entertainment district that already exists where there's a lot of bars and there's a lot of, you know, people walking around. It's very kind of an alive and buzzy kind of place. So the idea is not just to make it a walking mall, which is what they want to do. You know, no cars going through or anything like that. Just shut the streets off and turn it into a, a real true entertainment district, but also give people who are there the ability to walk around from place to place while they're carrying with them a pina colada or a daiquiri or a margarita or something like that. So you can walk around outside with an alcoholic beverage as long as you stay inside this one little area in Panama City. So uh, there has been a lot of support. There has also been a lot of opposition. Part of the opposition came from the mayor of Panama City, who does not like this idea at all, even though there are you know, people who are in the, uh, in the business world who want this to happen. So he showed up and he initially voiced at, at a, a city council meeting. He voiced his opposition to this. And as people have been interviewing him and talking to him about this uh, later on, the mayor argued that part of the reason why this is a bad idea is that divorce rates might go up. Here's the quote. Uh -huh. Mayor said, we have one of the highest divorce rates in the state up here in the panhandle. So I would imagine if we threw some alcohol on that fire, we would probably get an even higher divorce rate. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he gave a couple other reasons where I thought, Okay, like maybe I'm on board a little bit with a couple of these reasons. Sure. Because he's probably right about a couple things. He said the plan would increase, um, he just said law enforcement, I think problems with law enforcement, probably, right? Because you're going to have more people out there drinking in public. It's going to increase trash pickup costs. There is going to be more trash. I totally get that. I was on board with him. And the way that he said this was, when I first heard about the social district, I was at a meeting and I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my life. Then I started thinking about it and did some research. Now I think it's a terrible idea, <laughs> just horrible. But to try to make, like, why does your brain go to the divorce rate? It makes me wonder, like, is he going through a divorce? Uh, yeah. Is that why his head went there? Boy, isn't that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But wouldn't that be funny if that's why it kind of popped into his head in the first place? But, yeah, I mean, even to say, well, we've already got this problem, and this is just going to make it worse. How is allowing people to walk around outside with a drink in their hand going to make the divorce rate go up? 
it, it almost sounds like he's under the impression that he thinks that if you can't drink outside, you're not going to drink at all. You know, it's like <laughs> there are still bars there. They they still sell alcohol. You can still drink as much or more than you ever did if you go to one of the bars in the entertainment district in Panama City. It's not going to stop people from drinking if you don't let them walk from one place to another. Well, it's almost like he thinks, yeah, that they're going to drink more now because they can take it outside. Yeah. No, they're not. They're just going to drink what they were drinking inside and take it outside. Sure. Yeah. It's, you, it, you know. It's, it's just the, the reason why a lot of, uh, in fact, most places here in the States, again, you travel a little bit outside the country and you'll find out it's not this way everywhere. Uh, but the reason why a lot of people have or a lot of places have rules like that and laws that say you can't walk around outside with a with an alcoholic beverage is because they just don't like the way it looks. It makes the place look seedy if some guy's walking down the street holding a beer. Um, not in an not in a district. Right. If we were just talking about people being able to wander the city, you know, with an open whatever, that's different. But when you're establishing an entertainment district, like, say, <laughs> that we have here. And you're letting them carry, you know, pina coladas, like into your example, in this set area. It's like power and light. I mean, it's the exact same thing. Took the words right out of my mouth. That's, yeah, it, because you can walk from one side of that from one bar to another because you're not really outside power and light. You're still, it's not indoors. I mean, you've got, a, you know, an open uh, sky above your head. Mm-hmm. But you're still not technically outside, so you can do that. And uh, I don't know what's happened to our divorce rate since Power and Light went in. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure it's probably held fairly steady. Uh, well, whatever has happened to it, it's not because of Power and Light. Yeah. It, it's not because of that. I mean, keep in mind now, since the pandemic, I, I'm waiting for somebody to bring this up. Now it's, I don't know how much of this is stuck, but you could do to-go cocktails. And then pre-pandemic, that was the worst thing. Oh my gosh, you're going to drive up drunk driving rates because people can get cocktails to go now. They're going to drink them in their cars. Yeah, it's, it's funny. That almost never came up for me. Because, I mean, you know, I've got a fairly well-stocked bar at the house. But uh, I went to a place the other night and ordered dinner for me and Jen. And, you know, they ordered it when I got there. So I figured, okay, I'll have a drink while I'm waiting. Well, it got there almost immediately. It took them like five minutes to get the stuff done. And I was still at half my drink. And I said, hey, uh, this may sound weird, but can you do a to-go cup with this? And they were like, oh, yeah, no problem. Dumped it into uh-huh. a little cup and sent me off on my way. It's weird. So did it, um, because I can't remember what the rules are. Do the rules still say it has to be sealed? I think it was taped shut. Right. But I I wasn't going to drink it while I was driving anyway. So it it really didn't matter to me. That's how police know if you've been drinking in the car is if it's got like there's um, well, it's not open anymore, but there's a Mexican restaurant near me that used to do really great margaritas. And it, and I, I like theirs better than the ones that I make at home. But they had the thing that you'd have to punch the straw through in the top and okay. that's how you'd know if it had been opened or not yeah if that was if that was compromised in some way but i mean i had literally taken like two sips out of this drink and thought okay i i mean if they said no i would have been like fine okay no problem it's not like i was going to sit there and guzzle it at the bar but i just didn't want to waste it so it's nice that you have that somebody mentioned uh downtown shawnee Okay. I didn't know, uh, but they said that they allow open open beverages in the downtown area. Yeah, just that. I guess you're talking about just that little two or three block area that's where where the theater is and all of that stuff in the brewery, uh, which would make sense because there's not a lot of traffic there, and walking from one place to the other, yeah, big deal. 
but it's open. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's oh, not yeah, a closed absolutely. off area. That's that's open. In fact, I'm trying to think if we have anything else like power and light that is closed off like that. And I can't think of it. We have a lot of downtown areas. I can't think of anywhere else that's like that here. Well, you wonder what's going to happen if they go forward with plans to shut down some of the streets where you are. Uh, you know, they shut down plaza, some of the yes. streets on the, on the yes. plaza and make that a walking mall. You know, could you do that same thing or make the same case? Well, power and light, you can do this as long as there's no cars going through. I mean, it's enough of a hassle now, all the all the yeah. conflicts between cars and pedestrians that happen on the plaza. But, uh, yeah, as long as there's no cars going through, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's an argument to be made that if you let people have the drinks outside, like even if there's not vehicle traffic going through there, they still have to get out of there somehow, and they're going to be like falling in the streets drunk. And that feels dumb even coming out of my mouth. But I think that's the argument some people who are not me are going to make. Yeah. You can, so. you can still fall down in the street drunk after you walk out of the bar. So I just, yes, I don't see that it changes much. Did this, this did not pass yet. This was just not a public yet. hearing no, in Panama yeah, they're, City. They're, okay. they're still working on it. Uh, final vote is November 14th. Interesting. Okay. Uh, we'll take a break here. Coming up, uh, a twist in our conversation about mental health. Uh, this gets us into a conversation about dating. There's a new red flag in a recent day in a recent survey for people that are dating that involves mental health. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. All right, I thought this next story out of CNBC was interesting. Uh, so a recent survey has found a new red flag when it comes to dating. Uh, Pure is an app that I've never heard of that polled 1,000 Americans ages 18 or over of all kinds of backgrounds and found that most people are looking for partners who have either seen a mental health professional in the past or are currently in therapy. In fact, 92% of those polled said they prefer to date someone who has been to therapy. And there are all kinds of other figures in here um, showing the positivity that we feel about getting help for mental health, which is hard to say. Yeah, it would never in a million years occur to me to ask. I don't know if it's a question of asking. I think what happens a lot more lately is, and if you want to weigh in here, feel free. What I think happens a lot more lately is that you offer it. I think it is seen, somebody argue with me, but what I take from this is that maybe that used to be a red flag once upon a time that you thought if someone oh. was in therapy, it means 
some they're broken. Yeah, something what, is wrong with that. What's them. wrong with you? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, and and I think if if the point you're making is that stigma is now gone or largely gone, I, I think that's absolutely 100 percent the case. I don't know if it's gone, but what it I think it's seen as a green flag now. It is seen as instead of you need to be fixed because you're broken. It is seen as a good thing. It is seen as we don't assume something's wrong with you. We assume you're open. You're, you know how to communicate. You're, you're introspective. You're and, self-aware. And you're taking care of yourself. Right, right. I think what it also tells us is that it means that in the future, if you were to be with this person, you would be open to that if necessary. I think it just says a lot about a person that's willing to go. In terms of asking about it, I've never had it come up on a first date, but I, I have seen people offer it in a profile and that's appealing. It's so, something that they, I can't think of how it comes up, but sometimes you can just check boxes for things Yeah, and that's a box you check. Okay. So yeah, if, if you're open to going to therapy on your own, then if the need arose to to do couples counseling or marriage counseling or, or that kind of therapy, that you would probably be more likely to do that instead of balking at it and going, no, I'm not going to do anything like that. I don't need therapy. Yeah. Um, okay. You'd be less. That's not the first thing I take from it. But again, what what I loved about this was we see it as a good thing. It's something we look for yeah. in a person, not something that raises a red flag for us if they go. I, um... Uh, yeah, I, I guess the only thing that I'm curious about when it comes to this is that d does it go the other way now? Is somebody who has not done it yet given <laughs> is, is there a stigma to that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That, are, are you assumed <laughs> that if you've never been to therapy that you would never go? No, I don't. I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I don't assume that, nor do I assume that everybody needs to go right? Sure. It's, yeah. It doesn't. In fact, I'm sort of surprised that 92% of people said they'd rather date someone who's been in therapy because what I don't have in front of me is what percentage of the population has. So it's not, um, back to your question. It's, um, I just totally lost my train of thought. No, it's, it's, I don't immediately think that if you've never been to therapy that you wouldn't go in the future, nor do I think, Oh, you must have avoided it at some point then. <laughs> you, you should have you, gone. You probably and you didn't, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, well, you seem a little nutty to me, so maybe it might not be a bad idea to you. Yeah. Uh, right. I yeah. I just I would I would hate for it to go the other way. That somebody who's just, you know, generally pretty relaxed and groovy would be, oh, what? You've never been to therapy? How could you? Well, no. I have girlfriends. Um that have been through major life events. Like a good friend of mine recently went through a divorce mm -hmm. and she didn't go through any kind of therapy. Like, yeah, you check in, like, how are you doing? How are you and everything? And she isn't going. If it were me, I'd probably totally be in therapy, probably for a long time. She's healthy about it. She talks and she's, she's realistic about how it affects her. She's handling it in a healthy way and is open to going if necessary. Not everybody needs it. Sure. Right. Yeah. And and some people are better at taking inventory of themselves than others. Some people are a little more introspective than others. And again, there's it's not that one's right and one's wrong. It's just some people don't view life that way. They don't think, okay, I need to take apart everything I just did and look at it and and see if I did it right and see if I'm comfortable with it so I know how to react the next time. 
some of us do that endlessly. I will put myself firmly in that category. Uh, yeah, you do. Every every few years or whatever, you sit down and go, all right, how is my life? But if you don't do that, then maybe having somebody ask that question in front of you is a better idea for you because they may ask you things that you just never thought about asking yourself. Um, so 50% of people said it is attractive if therapy is brought up in conversation during a first date. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm pretty open. I mean, we do this every day. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm talking about it now for crying out loud. Sure. I mean, it's, but that's, that feels like a lot for a first date. But you never know. I mean, sometimes when we're older, <laughs> you skip a lot of the small talk, which I am in favor of. Does it maybe depend on how well the date's going? And how far into it <laughs> yeah, right. we're talking. If it's the first thing you talk about, well, you know, uh, before we get to dinner, my therapist was telling me the other day, you just kind of slide that in wherever you can. Yeah, and I think it's also really attractive if a guy mentions it, you know, because men are less likely to go to therapy. And if, if a guy mentions they go and are open about talking about it first... I, that says a lot about the, yeah, that person. The, uh, you know, yeah, right. Again, they, they're that they're a little bit more open, maybe about recognizing that people have feelings and that they're kind of important to us. Yeah, and that it's it's um, okay to get help for that when things are going wrong, and it's okay to not deal with everything on your own and bury everything all the time, which I think is you leave, how we approached it for a long time. You leave the Scandinavians alone; they're fine. Okay. <laughs> famous for it um yeah you know again having two very different parents uh my dad who was my dad and this unique individual and my mom who is your standard issue irish catholic where nothing is ever spoken about mm -hmm. and everything is shoved under the rug uh yeah i i can definitely say that i know what my preference is as to how to live um and it's funny because i it's funny how sometimes you do the opposite of what your parents did and that's i had two parents that never talked about anything ever and it's and who probably at various points had trauma that they should have gotten help for and just never did. It's just never the way, just not how they were brought up. Somehow I did the opposite. Somehow I talked for a living and did the op. And quite frankly, I think some of that was losing my dad at 22. Yeah. And somebody came to somebody, a very good friend of mine came to me and said, I'm telling you this because I love you consider getting support. That's how it was. That's how it was talked about. And I like that word a lot. It's getting support just a, an additional tool for things. Yeah. And so, but if somebody had not come to me like that, I don't know if I would have done it on my own. It was funny. Yeah. The first, well, first time that I ever went and I've, I've been all of twice. One was a marriage counselor and that was, that lasted exactly one, uh, one meeting, <laughs> which was not my fault by the way. But uh, yeah, I mean the time before that, when I actually sat down with a therapist, one of the, one of the things that, that he was very big on was, um, in the same way that we were just talking about, you know, that, that view that if you do that, it means that you're taking care of yourself, um, and recognizing that not that you have problems necessarily. I mean, everybody's got problems, but recognizing that there are some issues that maybe you need another perspective on and his, you know, he very much looked at it like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. Like you go to the gym to make your body more healthy and better. Even mm -hmm. if you're not unhealthy, you still can do better. And so his thing was, everything was an exercise. Do this exercise. Try this. See if this works for you. Are you getting the build out of this that you need to? And it's not like he was a bodybuilder, but he did put everything in those kind of terms. I like the term therapy for maintenance. Yeah. Because it's, just, I know people that go 
on a regular basis, regardless of what's happening in their life. Objective person, no skin in the game, go and just get stuff out. No, no investment in what you tell them. I agree with you. You know, I, I think that is a very healthy thing to do, but I, I, in practice, I don't. I, it's very much like going to the gym. I know I should. <laughs> uh-huh. And yet, I mean, there's this large part of me that says, meh, it's a waste of time. I'm doing fine. And, and I think it's worth, sometimes not everybody needs it. And some people are. Yeah. And some people benefit from it, so it doesn't oh, it doesn't matter for listen, some people. I, I'll never pick on anybody for it. Uh, yeah, curiously, we did we did get a, a text that said I would never date anyone that told me they were seeing a therapist. And the next text was most people wouldn't want to date someone with mental issues. I think you don't understand what happens in therapy. Or yeah, just that there are plenty of people who go see a therapist who don't have mental issues, whatever that means. I also would ask you. You've probably had them too. I mean, it's, I don't know how we're defining mental issues, but that's not the reason. Again, not everybody goes to therapy because they're broken. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what that alludes to, but nonetheless, green flag in dating now, not a red flag. All right. We'll take a break here. We'll wrap the hour next on KMBZ. All right. A group of Floridians plan to host what they are calling the Florida man games Coming up next February in St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you put in this? Well, I think Gator Wrestling is a natch. That's got to be there. Um, I would say that there's going to be a lot of drinking games involved in this. Uh, or at least there should be. Um, what else? I mean, anything where you could really do yourself serious damage, but even if you don't, probably doesn't amount to much. That sounds like Florida to me. Among the contests planned are the evading arrest obstacle course (laughs) in which contestants jump over fences and through yards while being chased by real police officers. Okay. The category five cash grab in which participants try to grab as much money as they can in a wind blowing booth. Oh, I love those. Those are so much fun. And the self-explanatory beer belly wrestling. (laughs) okay this next one i i mean this isn't just a florida thing we've had enough trouble around here with this but i think it's absolutely hysterically funny the catalytic converter two bikes and a handful of copper pipes race against time (laughs) wow okay compete head-to-head in a race that lets you live a day in the life of a florida man headline (laughs) uh we also have the weaponized pool noodle mud duel Uh uh-huh well, you can register a team for that. You can register teams for all these. Beer belly, okay. beer belly, Florida sumo. Does it seem like the games need some work? Like there should be something about an alligator in here somewhere. Oh yeah, definitely. You, you can't have Florida games without having an an alligator and or a python. That's got to be there. I mean, there's got to be something that's specific to the Everglades in this. You have two former American gladiators. Gosh, I grew up watching these guys. That are the judges. Um, original gladiators, Dan Nitro Clark and Lori Ice Fetrick okay. are going to be judging. Tickets for this are 45 bucks a person. Wow. That uh, is not cheap. Now they do have a mechanical gator, kind of like the mechanical bull, only, okay. only it's an alligator. So that's there. Uh, the wipeout log slammer, sumo smash, the face off obstacle, uh, obstacle course, so, a mullet contest. Uh-huh, oh, yeah. Got to have a mullet contest. Absolutely. A Florida ma'am pinup 
um, the 2024 Florida Man Pinup Girls. Ooh. There's a judging contest for that. Okay. Chicken coop bingo. <laughs> yeah, see where the chicken poops, and then, yeah, you can fill out your card from there. And then brawl of the badges. Officers take on firefighters. That's always really popular. We need more gators. For anything. I'm telling you, we just need more gators. Uh, yeah, I feel like there needs to be more. I, I like where it's going, but I think they need to go find stories of Florida man, and that wouldn't be difficult <laughs> to go through and find where Florida man has done everything and and do more here. Did Did you see the weaponized pool noodle mud duel? Say that to me again. The weaponized pool noodle mud duel. I read it. Yeah, it was one yeah. of the ones I mentioned. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> there's so much fun they can have with this. I hope they. I hope it does well, so that they can do exactly what you just said, which is expand this next year, and and keep the creativity coming. I mean, some of it's really, really well thought out. Others are like, meh. You could have done more with that. Okay, so then we go to the story that you found out of Barons.com about what scientists in Brazil. Are coming up with yeah um yeah we, we've oddly enough there were a couple of cocaine stories today this one is fascinating because um th there are already drugs out there that do a similar thing with opiate addiction and i remember hearing about this oh probably 10 years ago that there's a therapy you can go through that's highly controversial it's very dangerous but what it does is it in in the space of like 18 hours it puts you not only all the way through withdrawal but takes addiction out of you when it comes to opioids what hasn't happened now until now until what these researchers in brazil are going through is the same kind of thing for cocaine addiction and they said that so far it's it's showing real promise that this drug that they give you um, what it does is it effectively, it's almost like Narcan, but it lasts forever. So mm -hmm. you take this therapy and you can do cocaine. It will do nothing for you. It won't make you high. It won't make your heart rate go up. All the stuff cocaine normally does. It does the same blocking in your brain of, of cocaine that Narcan does for opioids. So why would you do cocaine if it didn't do anything? Yeah. Okay. How far are we along in the development of this? They're in clinical trials on this. So, okay. I mean, that's, I, I don't know exactly what the rules are in Brazil or how close they are to mirroring the FDA, but they said it, it, it's shown real promise so far. And they're hoping that this is going to be, uh, for, for people that are trying to get themselves clean, that this is actually going to be the thing that does it. And it's a shot. I mean, it's, it's a vaccine. We only have four minutes to the top of the hour. Um, so is this where we are going to go now is we are going to try to come up with the antidote for every possible drug you could overdose on. I'm waiting for people to scream, can we not do more to prevent people from taking the drugs in the first place instead of putting the work into an antidote for everything? Yeah, that's true. Well, and, and with this, it's a little different, like I said, with, with from Narcan, because Narcan, you can still overdose again. You know, mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't stop opioids in the future from getting you high, which is why people fall back and have to get Narcan over and over and over again, where this wouldn't. You know, there, there's a real ethical question, though, that comes up. Let's say you're a parent mm -hmm. and you don't want your kid to ever do cocaine. Is it ethical to give them this vaccine to make sure that cocaine never gets them high? Wow. Um. So, okay, uh, there is genetic you can uh, 
you can have genetic testing done beyond 23 and me because mm-hmm. I have friends that just did this. Yeah. You can go and you can have submit your DNA and they will do genetic testing and then they will give you a lengthy uh, like 10 pages of information about the medicines that work for you and the medicines that don't and how likely you are to become addicted to alcohol and 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 addicted to different things. This to, that that idea gets to me about that idea of what how much do you tell your kids about that? And do you Yeah. how much do you control as a kid choices that they would have the right to make as an adult? Yeah, I I mean I, I would fully support it. like if if you're the kind of person if you know you know what I mean? That, that you get to 18, 19, 20 years old and you know that you have a problem with addictive behaviors, whatever they are, either whether it's alcohol addiction or whatever, seeing and knowing that something like this is out on the market and just taking that option off the table for yourself. You know what I mean? Even if you've mm-hmm. never done cocaine in your entire life, I can see you wanting to take that option off the table and saying, okay, give me this shot to make sure that cocaine just doesn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when it when it becomes somebody else's decision, when it's a guardian deciding, well, this will help you all the way through your life. You know, um, there are I mean, I know there are circumstances where cocaine is still used as a therapeutic, but they're very limited. And and you can use other drugs to do the same thing. I mean, there is such a thing as pharmaceutical cocaine, but it's almost never used because other stuff works better. That's what that's what I wonder about. I mean, to use marijuana as an example, if we had had a vaccine to keep you from feeling marijuana 20 years ago. Yeah. Now it it's being used for good things now and, and is legal now in sure. a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, so, it, I mean, there is a conundrum here, but for people that are suffering because they just can't keep themselves off of it. Right. If, if this works then yeah that, i mean that has the potential and it the reason why it works where narcan doesn't you know where narcan only you know works for a period of hours or whatever uh is because this actually utilizes your immune system to do it and it, it, you you end up with antibodies that act as those blockers and that continues in your own body forever i learned in this story that the unit uh the us is the biggest consumer of cocaine <laughs> I did not know that. I'm not surprised. I lived now I know. The 80s. <laughs> uh, yeah, this will be an interesting one to follow and probably a conversation that we'll be having again here in the future. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up, there's a story out about OnlyFans, not the kind of story we've normally had, uh, but we're finding out that you might not be communicating with who you think you're chatting with on that. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.